Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Busy weekend of rugby, of course, but it was dominated in the early part of it by uh, our finding out about the passing away of Vainga Tui Gamala. Uh, if that wasn't enough, a little bit later that day, we found out that Joely Vendiri had also passed away in the United States. Uh, terrible, terrible news. And for those people that knew them, watched them, uh, quite shattering, really, at their young ages. So uh, I, I guess it's quite appropriate we talk to... Um, Justin Marshall this morning, um, who uh, knows a lot about the history, the legacy of the All Blacks, and these two blokes were very much part of it, uh, and rugby in New Zealand. Uh, Vainga Tuigamala, Inga the Winger, Joely Vandiri. Uh, morning to you, Justin. Uh, man, you take a deep breath uh, on Friday with that news. Uh, but before rugby even began in this country, you played with uh, Joely in uh, 1998, and you knew also a lot about Vainga Tuigamala. Sad day. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, everybody listening in. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, tragic news to hear of the passing of, of Inga the Winger. Uh, and then when things probably were, were feeling pretty uh, sobering uh, to hear the news of the passing also um, on the same day, basically, of Joely Vendiri was devastating, to be fair. Um, but I think probably when you, when you sort of try and sum it up, it's two players that revolutionised the way that he played on the wing, you know, Inga. We hadn't seen anybody like him probably since BG, and I remember watching him and his exploits. Uh, he wasn't that much older than me, so we didn't cross paths, but we didn't miss each other by by much. Um, but he, he kind of set the trend, you know, even before Jonah. And, and Joely, you know, many people see Joely and the speed that he had. He was just lightning quick, but he was over 100 kg, just over 100 kgs as well. He was a big strong winger and I think those two guys in a single breath really changed the way that players on the wing looked for a start off and and then how they could be not only fast but they could also be full of power and so yeah thoughts go out to the family and friends of them and the rugby community in general um, it's a massive loss and a big blow uh, two guys that uh, we, we, we will always remember what they did on the rugby field but more importantly I think Smithy that what they did off the field and that's probably the thing that I think they'll be more remembered for. Just two really nice guys, always had big smiles on their faces, and they were great ambassadors for rugby, of players that loved playing the game with a smile on their face, and after the game, that smile was there regardless of how the 80 minutes had gone on the field. Justin, uh, we needed some good rugby, perhaps to uh, to not to forget about that, but to uh, reflect alongside of it, and we got a couple of Pretty decent games of, of footy in this country at the weekend. Um, you, you, of course, uh, called that staggering comeback um, by the Hurricanes uh, over the Blues. Man, um, if ever I've seen two um, different coaches' boxes, I saw it that night. Uh, and <laughs> rare emotion from Leon. Rare emotion from Leon McDonald. you don't often see as his side just biffed it away. Yeah, you're right. And it was, uh, you know, contrasting coaching uh, boxes. Obviously, when, when the Blues went out to, I think it was... So it was 32 or 34, 14 or whatever it was. It looked like a lead that the Hurricanes couldn't peg back without everything going perfectly right for them and, and them completely changing 
what they'd been doing up up until that point. I think it was up until about the 68th minute. Uh, and so I think that the, the elation in the Hurricanes um, change uh, in coaching's box reflected the fact that they had done everything right over a period of you know, 10 to 12 minutes. And then conversely, you saw Leon McDonald um, see uh, what was probably an unassailable lead um, caught up to, to be pipped at the post by a point and, and everything that they'd worked hard towards in that game be taken away from them. Uh, look, I, I think he would be bitterly disappointed that they let that slip um, and that they will learn and grow from that. Uh, but I, I guess it's probably something that will concern him because if he wants to push this team forward to winning this competition, you know, games like that, good sides don't let that get away from them. The Crusaders, with a lead like that, even though the Hurricanes had a decent dig at them the week before um, in that last 10 minutes, wouldn't let that game go. They, They would not let a lead like that be caught up, and that's where the Blues are going to have to learn about the the ruthless nature of if you want to be at the top, you've got to be good enough to to win games like that. So I look at why that goes. I mean, on the field of players, it's it's really up to your leadership group or whatever to make good decisions. Mm. And so where did it where did it get away? I mean, they didn't have uh, you know the, the the captain of the day was Tom Robinson, and they're without Bowden Barrett at ten, the two guys who you would imagine would be making decisions. So. Uh, I, I just I just wonder uh, where it went wrong, Justin. I mean, they would have had their hands on the ball during that time. Where, where did it go wrong? Yeah, they did. And look, I, I thought when uh, Peter Fetter came into the game, he, he looked good. Uh, he made a couple of really good incisions. Um, he was a threat. They played, they played generally in the right area. Um, they just, uh, I think, probably didn't have the impact, apart from Peter Fetter, to a degree, off the bench with the players that they injected into the game. I thought Renata was pretty good, but when you think of the players that the Hurricanes um, injected into the game across the board, they all made a big difference. I thought Love, when he came on, was outstanding. I I thought Richard Judd was a real threat, and and, um, he offered something that the the Blues defence hadn't seen, um, you know, with with Jamie Booth. So he made a difference. Umanga Jensen made a difference. Young Braden Yossi um, was outstanding, uh, and I don't I don't really recall too many boost players having that sort of impact. So that was probably a problem for them. But they, yes, you're right. They did have enough territory and enough ball to just take that game further away from the Hurricanes. A lot of it was to do with the opposition. I thought the Hurricanes and the way that they approached that last ten minutes was simply outstanding. Their ball retention, their tempo, like Julian Severe really stepped up. He carried hard from the wing. Um, and like to execute what you practice on the training field, and it happens. Like you go along to, to a training, and the coach will go, right, boys. Um, you know, we've just scored a try to get us, you know, seven points um, from a victory, and we've we got one kick off to do it. This is what we do, and they did it absolutely to perfection. Like they, they did everything that you would want to do on the training field to win that game, including Artie scoring right under the post to make it easy on the kicker. So a bit of it was the Hurricane being that good to peg that lead back to win by one point, and a little bit of it, I think, was just not, not, not enough tempo and energy from the Blues in that last 10 minutes, probably thinking they can't catch us from here, and that, and that hurt them. Crusaders, uh, they, they were worthy winners. Uh, we always knew that uh, the Highlanders would be brave and competitive, uh, but it's the old adage, uh, the class kicks in, and then uh, it looks to me as if Fergus Burke's doing a pretty good damn job in 10. I thought he was really good the week before as well, and, and he continued 
with, with that leadership and, and making sure that the team played in the right areas um, and when they needed to execute, they did. Again, a, a really uh, another tough one for Tony Brown uh, to have to swallow that loss because at the 69th minute, they were only one point behind. Um, and then, you know, execution again. Uh, and, and this is where a team like the Crusaders, they don't... They don't um, they don't have the faults that some of the other teams are having. You know, the Highlanders missed the line-out uh, and gifted the ball to the Australia, uh, to the Crusaders, I should say, and then they have, across the board, you know, Leicester Fying Nanuku has had a, another blockbusting start to the season. He was reasonably quiet from his standards that he set the week before, but then he injects himself into the game, goes at two defenders, gets a miraculous um, offload away, sets Bridge away, back on the inside, and then, man, if you're ever going to find a guy that wants to find a try line at the moment, give it to Will Jordan, and boom, the game is gone. Just like that. They, they get that little bit of a buffer, they go out to eight points, and then they close the game out. And, and that's the ruthlessness of the Crusaders. And Tony Brown will be sitting in his review this morning, and to be perfectly honest, the Highlanders were very good, Smithy. They, they were very good. Mm-hmm. They hardly put a fault, uh, foot wrong. But the two or three times they gave the ball back to the Crusaders when they shouldn't have, and made errors, or aimlessly kicked it away, and that was a maximum of three times, I reckon, in the game, the Crusaders hurt them. So his review will be bloody tough, because in, in general, they were a very good side on the day, and they probably would have been, beaten most teams in the country. Just going, uh, popping uh, overseas to uh, the Six Nations, France just week after week, mate, week after week, uh, just confirming their favouritism, aren't they, for this World Cup, which is approaching us, still a long way away, but approaching us. It is. Yeah, they look very good. Man, they look balanced. And I think probably the frightening thing about the way that they're progressing is their inconsistency starting to dissipate. Um, I think they're still capable of having a slightly off day, but when they're having a slightly off day, they're still managing to win test matches. A big problem for the French is, as we all know, historically has been their uh, ability to be at an incredible level and, and beat any team in the world. And then equally a week later be at a really average level and drop a test match that they shouldn't be losing. That hasn't been the case for quite a while now. Their, their form in, in the Autumn Internationals last year in November was outstanding. They've carried that through to the Six Nations. Like, sort of been a bit of a banana skin game for them, the one up in Scotland. <laughs> they go from you know, reasonably warm conditions for, for winter in, in France to up into Scotland where it's bloody cold and Murrayfield's a hard place to play, and a Scottish team that's actually playing some pretty good rugby with a with a good coach under Gregor Townsend. You know some guys, you know some guys like Finn Russell and um, Hogg at the back. That you know they've they've got some good players in there, but that, that lethargy of of the French wasn't there. They just didn't go there half cocked. They went in there fully firing and made it an easy win on the day. And they are looking really uh, ominous for next year for sure. They're they're looking great and good to see. A good old uh, English and um, Welsh derby, the completely contrasting game, which was a bit dull. But I think Eddie Jones will be comforted by having won that game because, uh, you know, they finished fifth in the Six Nations last year, England. And losing to Scotland for the second year on the bounce didn't sit well. So um, off the back of an Italy performance that everyone beats, it was a real game that he needed to win at Twickenham and they got the job done. He'll be thankful for it. Justin, uh, as always, great to catch up with you, mate, and uh, we look forward to catching up in person very shortly. Thanks for your thoughts this morning. Much appreciated. You're welcome, Smithy, and uh, happy birthday too, mate. Uh, No doubt you'll be down celebrating at Turks with a cold beer and steak, eggs and chips tonight. That'll be your treat, mate. (laughs) But uh, have a good one. Well, you might know me better than you think, eh?